20 years in the minor leagues Ain't no place I didn't go Well, I got a few hits But I never made the show And I could hang on for a few years Doing what I've done before I wanna hear the laughing river flowing right outside my door. Hello and welcome to episode 1948 of Effectively Wild, a baseball podcast from Fangrass, presented by our Patreon supporters. I am Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer, joined as always by Meg Rowley of Fangrass. Hello, Meg. Hello. And also by Ben Clemens of Fangrass. Hello, other Ben. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Well, we meet again. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. This is the 10th annual Minor League Free Agent Draft. So there are now as many Minor League Free Agent Drafts as there are about to be films in the Fast Saga. (sighs) I think similarly exciting. And to mark the occasion of our 10th Minor League Free Agent Draft, we will be drafting Minor League Free Agents. So... (laughs) (laughs) Nothing special or out of the ordinary. It's always special. It's just it's not more special than usual. But is it about family, Ben? Like the Fast series is? In a way. In a way. Yeah. It's about family. (laughs) So we are the same trio that drafted last year. And just to recap, painful as it is for some of us. Ben Clemens made his debut in the minor league free agent draft last year, and he had a roaring start. He came out of the gate with the second best performance in any minor league free agent draft. The only other time a drafter did so well, he was hired by the Rays shortly after. That has not happened to Ben thus far, which is nice because uh, we still get to... I love how you are <laughs> praising him and giving me a panic attack simultaneously, as if me losing wasn't bad enough. Double duty. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> nope, Ben is still on the staff at Fangrass. He's Thank still God. doing podcasts, at least for now. We'll see if he has another amazing performance. I just, I don't know that he'll be able to remain unclaimed. This is like the minor league free agent draft of of front office talent, this podcast, basically. Uh-huh. Front office people are listening to this thinking, maybe I could pluck one of these podcasters away and it'll just be a an undervalued talent. That is what we're doing here. So I'll just kind of calibrate everyone's expectations, <laughs> remind everyone what we're doing here. Not why we're doing it. I don't know the answer to that, but we've been doing it every year since 2014. And the purpose here is to draft minor league free agents who we think will get major league playing time in the upcoming season. And that is all that matters. We count plate appearances and batters faced, either or or combined in some cases. And the person who drafts the minor league free agents who combined accrue the most major league playing time in 2023 will win this draft so they don't have to be good at playing baseball necessarily they have to be good enough to get to the majors it doesn't matter what they do once they're there except to the extent that playing well helps them get more playing time but they could be terrible as long as they stick on a roster and get plate appearances or batters faced it counts for our purposes And we always have to try to remind everyone and ourselves what a minor league free agent is, which can be confusing. 
In most cases, it's just a player who has been on a minor league roster for six seasons in the same organization, and this is just sort of an escape valve. It's like the Rule 5 draft, basically. It's like if you're buried in the minors somewhere, this is one way you can get out and get an opportunity somewhere else where maybe you aren't blocked. There are some wrinkles to that, though, because there are a lot of players who are minor league free agents who have been big leaguers and Mm -hmm. in many cases were big leaguers in the most recent season. So there are multiple ways that you can become a minor league free agent. So if you were in the majors, but then you were removed from the 40-man roster, maybe you were designated for assignment or you were non-tendered, and then you could clear waivers and, and your club could try to send you to the minors and you get outrighted, but you can refuse to be reassigned to the minors and then become a free agent if you have a few years of MLB service time. So you can also accept the assignment and then become a free agent after the season. The important thing is that there are several hundred players who become minor league free agents every offseason. There were 613 this year that were declared minor league free agents as of November 11th. That was when Baseball America published a, a list. That's what we go by. If players are on that list, they're eligible to be drafted. If not, they're not. And once you're a minor league free agent, you are basically the same sort of free agent as any other major league free agent. You're all free agents. You can sign anywhere for any kind of contract. It's just that if you're a minor league free agent, you took a different route to becoming a free agent. And also you're typically a less desirable player and generally will sign a minor league deal, although not in all cases. Have I covered essentially what we're doing here? Yeah. Okay. And just to recap our our past drafts and sort of set expectations here. So we draft 10 players each. And one year we drafted 11 players each for some reason. So we have in total drafted 223 players over our previous nine years of drafting. The average plate appearance plus combined batters faced total is 605 so that's sort of the baseline for, for any given drafter. That's what you're you're going for, basically. And the success rate is uh, basically a coin flip. I think we've maybe gotten a bit better over time, but of the 223 minor league free agent draft picks, 102 have received major league playing time in the following season. So that's 46% success rate. So we're not expecting a lot here, essentially. You're hoping for an average of roughly 60 plate appearances or batters faced from each of your draft picks. That would get you to an average overall performance. And if you hit on half of your picks, basically that's par for the course. And typically you're not getting superstars here either. Not that it matters, but a listener, Evan, he made a painstaking spreadsheet of all of the picks that we've all made over the years in sort of a a dynasty draft format to look (laughs) at how much war they have accrued since they were picked. And the leader from all the minor league free agent drafts, if you look at the war since they were drafted, going by baseball reference war, it was my pick of Scott Barlow in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> has amassed 7.1 baseball reference war since then. Or if you go by Fangraphs war, then it's uh, almost a tie between 2019 picks. So Sam picked Dylan Moore. I picked John Birdie. 5.3 and 5.2 war, respectively, since then. Some decent players, you know? like It's like... 
Bertie and G-Men Choi has been picked, uh, just like names you would recognize, but but not particularly good or accomplished players. But I guess is there a best single season one? That I don't know. We I bet you to. it's uh, not very high. It's probably not very high. <laughs> no. So we go through this exercise every year, and uh, it's high stakes because we return to it throughout the coming year and the coming season. And it's a nice little thrill when one of our players gets called up to the majors and and we get to gloat and we get bragging rights and we get to root for these players who otherwise probably would not be on our radars at all. So it's a nice little ongoing storyline. But Ben completely cleaned our clocks last year. That's uh, the upshot. (laughs) It It was a commanding performance by Ben, who uh, he amassed 1,440 combined batters faced in plate appearances, whereas I got only 422, and Meg got 56. Yeah. A, a better year for Meg. Or, Crushing or, it. Or, or for either Meg or, or I, frankly. That's generous both, of you, Ben. Yeah, I'll, I'll put us together. There's a big difference between us, <laughs> but an even bigger difference between Ben and, and me and you. So we were both below average, and... A further indignity, we were both beaten by the control group of a randomly selected 10 players last year. So that is rough to avoid that, at least if if we could do better than that, that would that's got to be the best year for the control group. Like, yes, there have only been two years for the control group so far. It wasn't started. I feel like the the number of minor league free agents is such there's 613 yeah and not half of them are legitimate potential major leaguers like way oh, fewer yeah. lots yeah. of these guys don't yeah. play baseball again even the ones yeah we're cherry picking the best or, or the ones we think are the best or most likely to get playing time and we're still 50 50 or a little i mean worse. i think you could do that control group a lot of times and not get anywhere near what it did this time yes i think so so we were bad but also the control group had a great year <laughs> hopefully hopefully an outlier year so <laughs> We'll find out. And it only picked correctly on two guys. It just so happens that one of them was Spencer Watkins, who made 20 starts in the Orioles rotation. So that'll do it. Anyway, playing time is the coin of the realm. So we're not necessarily going for for prospects or ceilings here. Not that there's that much of either in the draft pool here. But (laughs) but yeah, there are some guys who are like young and you think, okay, maybe he's still got a little prospect pedigree and could make something of himself at some point. But all we care about is 2023 here. So sometimes you're you're better off going for the high floor, low ceiling, unexciting, whoever utility guy or, or seventh guy in a bullpen or backup catcher or whatever it is. There tends to be a lot of that. We yeah. still have not fully studied the patterns here and, and what works and what doesn't, but we wing it as always. So what are your levels of confidence this year? well here's the thing ben i have adopted in this project a strategy of of self-preservation and protection allow me to explain what i mean by that (laughs) i have been known to dramatically over prepare for the minor league free agent draft and my my mileage has really varied on that you know like i have spent a lot of time and reaped very little reward. And so I thought to myself, like, what is the amount of time and preparation that I can put into this and and be honoring the exercise, right? Because it's the thing we look forward to. It's, a, it's an episode our listeners look forward to. And so I don't want to, you know, not take it seriously. But I also know that um, 
I'm not likely to win or I don't feel confident that I'll win. And I, I've made my peace with that. You know, like I think that the, the doing of the thing is where the honor in it lies. And so I said to myself, what is the amount of prep you need to do again to honor the exercise? And then don't do one minute more than that. It was like when I, Ben Clemens, this might resonate with you. You know, I don't remember what my exact percentage was, but I had a, I had a fair amount of wiggle room in terms of passing when I took my series seven. Oh, right? sure. You have to get a 70 to pass. Is that right? You have to. Yes. And I cleared that bar with some room to spare. Not in like a weird savant way. It's also a stupid test. But like, I, you know, I cleared it. Pure and then I was, yeah. yeah. And then I was told by my, my MD that that was silly because it suggested that I had prepared more than I needed to. <laughs> and so I, uh, I kind of brought that same energy to this. So I, you know, in previous years, like I collated a bunch of things, what they did uh, war-wise this year, what they're projected to do. No, no, that's not what I did this year. <laughs> I took the list and I took some transaction data and I merged those things. And I did a little bit of like assessing uh, and I moved some guys around on a pref list. And then I was like, I'm done now. I, I recognize many of these names and uh, some of them I don't. And I, I made determinations based on, you know, like the, the team perhaps that they've signed a minor league contract with and what my estimation of that team is. But like, there's no, there's no steamer in this sheet this year, you know? <laughs> I didn't do that. I'm going to series uh-huh. sevens it and then kind of go from there. So. All right. Yeah. I woke up at 8 a.m. my time this morning <laughs> and uh, pulled up the webpage that Meg yeah. sent me yesterday and I Googled some names on it. I was telling Ben before this, and I guess you too, Meg, that last year I just prepared a ton. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I want to do well on this. I've never done this before. And I guess we'll see how much that preparation helped because I have done very little this year. Yeah. You would think that having had your strategy last year work spectacularly well, you would want to do the same thing again. So are you overconfident <laughs> or or is it just that you did so well that you feel like you've proved yourself, you belong, mm. and now you can slack off? No, it's 100% that I got back from traveling to see my family over the holidays yesterday and didn't really feel like doing it. I don't know if your priorities are really in order here, Ben. I mean, I know it's the holidays and and you want to see family and everything, but this is the minor league free agent draft. Come on. But Ben Lindbergh, here's the thing to remember about Ben Clemens' success last year, which is, you know, and I don't, I'm not faulting you for this at all, Ben Clemens. I'm saying like, you know, you won handedly. Like he didn't win because he found like a a deep sleeper none of us had heard of, right? Like he was largely carried by guys who we... We I know just and recognize people I knew. That, as it turns out, I researched 600 names last year and then picked 10 players I'd already heard of. Right. So <laughs> I think, you know, I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm not gonna, saying he's going to lose, but I just don't know that this is like a, a, a real study of the approach. You know, we still have process questions related to the minor league free agent draft, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, definitely true. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Ben's picks last year. So he ended up with Jose Iglesias, who yeah. was uh, the consensus number one on the board. And he had the first pick and it was just clear that Iglesias was going to go. But he would have won handily without Jose Iglesias. But even so, Jose Iglesias, Michael Franco, Ty Block, Anthony Bemboom. And Christian Bethencourt yeah. really paid off for you. So Christian Bethencourt almost had two war. I wonder if he's the... Uh, he might be. Up now. He might yeah. be. Yeah. He played in a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. he sure did. <laughs> so those were basically brand names by minor league free agent draft standards. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Well, I've done, I guess, my typical level of, of preparation. I don't know if I over-prepare or under-prepare, but I basically did the same thing that I typically do, which is uh, I go to the Baseball America list of my first pass is just I scroll down that list and look at all the 613 names, and some of them jump out at me, and I'm surprised to see them there. And if, if so, that means maybe they're a good candidate. It is surprising just how much the major league names on the list jump out at me. And sometimes I'll be surprised, like, so-and-so hasn't even been in the big league since 2017 or something. But it's almost like they're they're in bold in my right. brain. Like, once you've been a big leaguer and I've, I've heard of you, then it, it leaps off the page at me, even if you haven't been there for a while. And there are quite a few names on there who really have not been there for a while. <laughs> and they're <Yeah>. still, <laughs> still hanging around. And... After I, I do that little culling, then there are various other sources that I consult, mm. and uh, I'll, I'll keep my methods uh, proprietary for the moment, just in case they pay off for me. But I have a draft board with uh, 53 names on it right oh now. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is fewer names than Ben had on his board last year, but many more names than he has on his board this year. So maybe it's the sweet spot. And I don't really have them ordered. I probably should have ordered them in addition to putting them on here. I guess I I put some in bold, but I don't really have a perfect pref list here because I want to preserve some spontaneity when it comes to the minor league free agent draft. So I will almost certainly be drafting people from this list, but in what order? I don't know. We will find out when I'm under the gun. I think that this illustrates some some key differences in our personalities, right? Because you view the spontaneity of the pref list or lack thereof as like a, you know, a thrill, an exciting little adventure you're about to embark on on this Thursday morning. And I do a pref list and then as soon as I have to deviate from it, immediately break down and panic. And so <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that um, your anxiety levels are probably at a healthier register than mine. Like that's come that, that note's coming in at a better pitch than mine is maybe, Ben. <laughs> I, I really want to say, you guys have lists, <laughs> but uh, I'm not trying to work off that one web page. It's just too many names in no order. Yeah, it's, yeah. A lot of, it's a lot of names. There's so much scrolling, you know, mm-hmm. so. No, oh, I just added a name to my list. All right. Well, Ben had the first pick last year because uh, he was a first-time guest, but he should probably have the last pick this year because he did too well, and we have to punish him for that. So should we just go in order of finish in 2022 and, and Meg, yeah. you, you get the first pick? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about that. You know, it makes me feel really warm. I don't have a sense of dread because of the yeah. pressure that's attendant on this. Do you all feel like there is a, a clear first pick the way no. there was? Le- no, I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't feel like there is. I am going to make the first pick. And with the first pick, I'm going to do this, which is to say that I am going to select Blake Perkins. Oh, yeah. That was my first pick, too. Okay. Yeah. So maybe there is a consensus first pick. So Blake Perkins uh, was in the Yankees system. He is uh, now with Milwaukee. He signed a big league deal with the Brewers. And was like a a 40 future value prospect on our recently published Brewers list. And so that gives me some amount of confidence in him. I also am heartened by, you know, 
what one might say is a, an outfield in Milwaukee that is perhaps primed for some degree of either underperformance or injury. You know, they are famously now without Hunter Renfro, who is going to start a variety act with Mike Trout in Los Angeles. So I'm looking at his... Projected right now per our depth charts for a 211-301-363 line. You know, that's not great. That 88 WRC plus, it's below average, I'm here to say. 0.1 wins, eh. But also, um, he's a minor league free agent with a big league deal on a team that might end up needing outfield depth. And he's performed okay-ish in the minors. So, Blake Perkins, come Mm -hmm. on down. Yep. (sighs) That's the most I'm going to say about any of these picks. (laughs) Because, you know, at some point I'm going to be like, I like this name. So he's going to be one of my picks. Yeah. 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 Blake Perkins was not really someone I was aware of prior to my prep here. But once someone gets a major league contract. Yeah. Really rock it to the top. Yeah. Only a few of those guys this year. I think fewer than usual. And of course, not everyone has signed yet. Minor league free agents will continue to sign into the new year. But generally, I think the guys who get major league deals they sign early because everyone's after them which is why they can command a major league contract which does not guarantee that they will be big leaguers or productive big leaguers but the fact that teams felt that they had to offer that and were willing to offer that that speaks well of them so i think between that and i suppose his minor league performance and also as you said some of the the positional openings potentially it's a good pick and There are only a couple guys we can say got major league deals. So I assume that they're going to come off the board pretty quickly here. Yep. Speaking of which, (laughs) I guess I will take one. And I don't think that this player is the best bet to get a lot of playing time in 2023. But I think if he works out, it could be a fairly high ceiling pick. And also, I am sure that Ben would take him at some point if I did not take him soon both because he got a major league contract and because he got a contract from the team that Ben Mm. works for, and that is Guillermo Zuniga, who uh, signed a major league contract with the Cardinals. And just like looking at the replies to the tweet that the Cardinals sent about signing Zuniga to a major league deal, a lot of them were like, who and why? And I can see why you would say that, because he has not pitched above double A, And he hasn't even pitched particularly well in double-A, at least going by ERA. He was uh, in the Dodgers system. Prior to that, he was in Atlanta's system. He is actually one of the players who was uh, freed and declared a free agent because of Atlanta's international signing scandal. Yeah. And I guess maybe he is uh, the most promising, perhaps, of the players remaining from that scandal. But he has not pitched above double-A, so he's been with the the Dodgers ever since leaving the Braves. And the thing about him is that he's got good stuff, and he's got the build, and he is uh, 6'5", he's a right-handed pitcher, he's from Columbia, and he throws quite hard. And uh, Eric Longenhagen, back in May, in mentioning him on the Dodgers prospect list, wrote that he is likely to trickle into someone's big league bullpen within the next year or two. So I hope that that is the case and that it is next year. But Eric gave his fastball a 70 on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, along with an above average slider. And uh, he was 25 command. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there is that that piece. Yeah, he's just a power pitcher. 
And Baseball America said he probably has the best stuff on the minor league free agent market. So he throws like upper 90s. He's got good spin rates. He's got a, a changeup that's pretty good and also a good sweeping slider. And apparently he can command the slider, but not so much anything else. But at least stuff-wise, he seems to have like three above average or better major league quality pitches. And he's 24 years old still. He just turned 24 in in October. So again, like this would be a great long-term play if we were just drafting guys for lifetime playing time. Not as solid a play for 2023. We just, I have to hope here that the Cardinals can harness his command. Like he can miss bats, but he walks too many guys. So not only does he have to get through AAA or leapfrog AAA, but he's got to get the control under control and and do that at the big league level. But he was closing games and saving games in Tulsa. And the fact that he was with the Dodgers and, and still could not completely get it together is uh, somewhat worrisome. But another change of scenery. And obviously, like teams were very interested in his services because he got a big league deal right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, seems good. All right, I am up. And I am going to complete the the trilogy <laughs> draft the other guy with any type of major league deal justin garza yeah a, a split deal with the angels that's right. what yeah. it is that's yeah see it's a non-guaranteed split contract which means that it prescribes different salaries for if he's in the majors or if he's in the minors and yeah i believe perkins has a similar deal that could be true i don't know the, the specifics of right. it yeah but uh yeah justin garza he's a a man who plays baseball and has a, a major league contract offered to him who appears on this list. Those are um, three qualities, all of which I care about greatly. Uh, in terms of his actual, you know, bona fides, he's been on, he's been in the Cleveland organization his entire career. That's a good place for pitchers. And he pitched a little bit for them in the majors in 2021 and was not particularly good, but he's been just like completely acceptable in the minors. He, between 2021 and 2022, he's pitched, I don't know, 70 innings of minor league baseball with, with a sub four ERA, it looks like, and strikes out a decent amount of people. He has, like anyone probably on this list, either deficiencies in command or stuff. And for him, it's command. So he, he walks a ton, but the Angels don't have the best bullpen in baseball. And, you know, he has a, a split contract that suggests that he could have done better than a minor league contract. So, yeah, I, I like betting on the Angels' bullpen needing more arms, particularly yep. given that uh, they're a team that always needs more arms. Yes. Yeah. Some of the guys in their bullpen might end up being starters for them, and then that could bump them up the list. Yeah, I mean, if I get 50 batters faced, I'd be overjoyed. Yeah. I mean, you should aim higher for that, I guess, with with your first pick, because if the average pick gets uh, 60... Then... I think this is going to be a down year. Oh, really? Okay. You mm. think it's a foul free agent crop, huh? Mm. Yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, I mean, looking at him, it, it's it's kind of like with Zuniga, like the, the performance hasn't been spectacular or anything. I mean, he was in AAA, not AA, but he was not dominant there. But obviously, he doesn't have to be super dominant, probably, to get some innings in the Angels' bullpen. So, yeah, he was going to go quickly. Like, getting a, a big league deal is its not a guarantee of anything. I, I remember we took some guys who got oh, yeah. big league deals last year who didn't get any playing time or got they very little playing time. one lick of anything. They didn't right. No licks. Yeah. Nick Plummer was one. Yeah. 
he did end up coming up to the Mets and he hit a big home run, but he didn't hit other than that and didn't last that long. Was Brett Sullivan, he was your first pick last year. That must have been a big league contract guy. I don't even remember, but no playing time from him. So yeah, it, we're we're clutching at straws here because it's, yeah. it's hard to find these guys. And this is just one signal that, oh, okay, this is someone who's special in some way, but still far from a lock. Is my turn? Yes, it is. Okay. With my second pick, I am taking Casey Sadler, who is returning to the Seattle Mariners on a minor league deal. Sadler did not pitch at all in 2022 after having a pretty superlative, and we should note, like, kind of aberrant compared to the rest of his career 2021 season with the Mariners. And you might think to yourself, like, hey, the Mariners, don't they famously have, like, a pretty good bullpen? Wasn't that sort of part of their whole thing? And I'd say to you, yeah, they do, but we've already covered how every team needs more pitchers, and they seem very excited to have Casey Sadler back. Now, some of that is no doubt that um, Jerry DePoto is hoping that you don't remember how little activity they had otherwise. But I think that he might end up being a, a useful contributor to them at some point, assuming that he comes back from the shoulder surgery that derailed his 2022 season. So, Casey Sadler, come on down. <laughs> I wanted to pick him with my first pick. But Did I you thought- really? I thought there was a 100% chance that someone would pick Garza. Yeah. And there was at least a decent chance that you would pick Sadler before it came yeah. back to me. Yeah. So. I, I think that he will end up getting some innings for them, you know, assuming that his uh, his shoulder is not like totally toast. But um, yeah, here we are. Yeah. All right. Well, I considered taking this next guy with my first pick too. I'm pretty oh. high on him. <gasps> <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Could it be could be anyone. It could be, but it might not mean. It could mean a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, I am loading up on big pitchers with big arms here oh. in the, the back of bullpens. I guess that's a relief for you. Maybe I'm not taking the guy you want, but I don't know. I'm taking Angel Perdomo. Ah, yeah, he was on my pick. list. Good All right. Ah, so dang Angel it. is even bigger than Guillermo Zuniga. He's six yeah. eight, and he's a lefty. And he was signed by the Pirates. These are all really yep. promising things. That he is. Uh, good. He's twenty eight. He's a former futures game guy, and he's uh, he's got good numbers. So he was with the Rays mostly last year and, and a little bit with the Brewers. He was with the Brewers previously and also with the Blue Jays before that. So the fact that the Brewers and the Rays, who have a lot of uh, personnel in common and, and maybe evaluate players in, in some similar ways, the fact that they liked what they saw is good, I guess. And also he struck out. 40% of the hitters he faced in AAA last year. So that is uh, promising. Yeah. So he can clearly miss bats, which I like to see. And he's uh, also got good stuff. Like he doesn't throw super hard. He's kind of kind of average velocity-ish. Maybe good for a lefty, I don't know. But he's got good deception. And I like deception guys so the fact that he he hides the ball a long time and he's uh, very big and he gets good extension so his fastball which is more like 93 to 95 it, it looks maybe like it's more upper 90s so that's good and like Zuniga he has some control problems all of these minor league free agents are players with warts that is why they're available that's why they're minor league free agents And he had some injury issues, I believe, last year, but I don't think it was anything super serious. 
And he's looked really dominant at times, like down the stretch for Durham last year. I think he was the only lefty on the staff. And over the the last few months, yeah, he struck out 48 batters over 29 and two-thirds innings against 12 walks, a 160 opponent batting average. And, you know, for a lefty, good spin rates, good velo, good slider, a a changeup, etc. It's sort of a a classic reliever profile. But you look at video of him, and he just, he looks like he could be really good because he's huge and he's a lefty. And I have high hopes for Angel Perdomo with the Pirates, who can, uh, I guess he's even bigger than O'Neill Cruz. So that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Like that pick. Yep. It was on my list. All right. All right. I will pick another large player, uh, Framil Reyes. Uh, yes. mm. Doesn't have a deal anywhere, and I kind of think might sign overseas. Yeah, I was thinking a, a few times I had a great disappointment when I thought I had a real find, and then I looked him up, and up oh, he went to NPB, or up oh, he yep. went to Korea. It's like, oh, well, I guess those teams saw something too, because it's sort of the the profile that leads to a, an attractive minor league free agent. Like, maybe they've got good power or something, but not so much plate discipline, or like maybe they're kind of a quad A guy, and so international leagues come calling and give them guaranteed yeah. playing time and salary, and they go over there. But better to find that out before you draft them than after. So <laughs> I guess for your sake, maybe most of the the international signings have happened already, hopefully for yeah, you. I but, think yeah. so. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I have to describe Reyes too much. People know who he is. He can clearly be an above-average major league hitter. He was for four straight seasons. Uh, he's defensively limited, but there's universal DH now, and he was you know, just incredibly bad in 2022. So <laughs> there's, there's no guarantee that anyone wants to sign him. But I don't know. There's 30 teams in baseball. That's so many. Like One of them could probably use this guy. Yeah. And I, I think he has the best single tool of anyone on this list, just his power. Right. Yeah. So yeah, eh, I'll give it a shot. He could easily have 500 plate appearances, and he could easily have zero. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think he's a, a very high variance pick. As opposed yes. to the guys we took in the first round, who seem fairly likely to likely. get time. Yeah. 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 I think going for the high variance guys makes some sense because you want to hit big. Like if you if you really strike it rich with one player, then that's a, a huge leg up. I'm always torn. Do I want to go for someone who like could get zero or could get 500? Or do I want to try to go for someone who's like consistently been in a bullpen or been a utility guy and you yeah. can kind of pencil them in for... 50 or 100 plate appearances or something but you know there's almost no way that he's going to get more than that and like is it safe enough that it's worth just taking the gimme is there such a thing as a gimme in the minor league free agent draft probably not so i like going for the ceiling and and i would have taken reyes soon if you hadn't okay my turn yes i'm gonna do something that happens at least once one of these drafts where i'm like is this guy really a minor league free agent because (laughs) i want to check you know, I just want to check and be yeah. sure. Okay, yes, I'm sure now. I'm taking Cole Tucker. Mm, mm-hmm. Cole Tucker signed a minor league contract with the Rockies. And, uh, you know, like they have a not very good baseball team and are known to give, you know, less run than they should, but some amount of run to like recently relevant big leaguers or prospects. And, I'm sure that they hope that Chris Bryant plays, you know, any more games than he did last year, but I guess we don't know for sure that he will. And uh, I've heard of Cole Tucker, you know, Mm -hmm. 
I've heard I of him. Am I making this up? Was he on the Diamondbacks last year? He was on the Diamondbacks last year. I, I feel know. like I saw him in a minor league game. Yeah, you might have. Okay. That seems right. Because he seems like a pirate to me, but then I- uh, he, was a, he was a pirate for, you know, kind oh, of- yeah. Kind of a long time. That was where he debuted. Yeah. He debuted. Okay. He did go to the. Yeah. Okay. I have it right. Yeah. And I'd like to. I'd like to note that like he has been worth negative two wins in his big league career. You know. So like this one might not work out for me. But again, I have heard of him. So here we are. Yeah. It's it's good for any of these guys to have a war, even if they're actually wins below replacement. If if they have something in that column. That means they've been a big leaguer, which yep. is, is fairly rare or rare enough, at least among recent major leaguers. All right. Well, I'm already at the point in my draft where I'm just going to start freestyling. Here oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I'm going to go next. I've got another few outfielders on my board who are kind of in that Franmil Reyes camp of having had some big league time and, and seeming like they could get some more. And they're all kind of uh, roughly in the same category for me. I guess I will take... Hmm. I guess I'll take Victor Reyes. No! Ah! (laughs) Okay. All right. That's great positive reinforcement. I love when they're just moans and lamentations. Whenever I I take a pick, that's great reinforcement. Makes me feel like I made a good pick, but... He was in the big leagues and has been in the big leagues every season since 2018, and not just for cups of coffee either. He has gotten 200-plus plate appearances in every season and topped out at 336 this past season for the Tigers, and he has consistently been a slightly below-league average hitter, which is pretty darn good by minor league free agent standards. He's not particularly defensively gifted, I don't think, and doesn't steal a lot of bases or anything, so it's not like he has other great tools, and mostly he plays corners, although he has played some center. But just the fact that he's been a consistent big leaguer, he is only 28 years old, and the White Sox signed him and invited him to spring training. So all of those things seem fairly promising, right? I would... Mm -hmm. Be very happy to get another two to three hundred plate appearances of slightly below league average offensive production from Victor Reyes. Curse you, Carlos Perez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so honorable. I should have. No. Our I... listeners won't know what we're talking about because Dylan cut the whole Carlos Perez section. Yes. But basically, Ben tried to draft off board and we intervened <laughs> and then it bit us right in the ass. Yes. Well, not you because I was taking. Okay, well, it bit you right in the ass. Maybe I'm taking your next pick. I know. This is why I'm saying it might end up really haunting me. Yeah, there was Carlos Perez confusion. There are multiple Carlos (laughs) Perez's anyway. Well, I I am going to take a just, I think, worse version of Victor Reyes in many ways. Uh, Jake Marisnik. Yeah. Yeah. Jake Mm -hmm. Marisnik has not signed with anybody. And Jake Marisnik is 31 and going to turn 32 before well, actually on opening day i think next year oh. so, you know that's nice happy birthday jake mm-hmm. uh he's not on any team but he did play a little bit with the pirates last year he was good defensively like he always is that's just a skill that he has he's a good defender he played decently in 2021 and he played a little bit in 2020 and he played in 2019 i don't think he's exciting but i'm pretty sure that there aren't 
you know, 120 better outfielders than Jake Marisnik in baseball. And if there are, then he's probably like in the 120s. So I, I think he'll get some playing time somewhere in mm-hmm. 2023. I just think he's good enough to. Yeah. So I don't think he's awesome, but I do think he is probably going to play in the majors. Yep. He has uh, not failed to get major league playing time since uh, he debuted in 2013. So obviously that streak has to come to an end at some point, but it hasn't yet. So <laughs> there's a percentage play, I guess, in betting in a 11th year of uh, big league time for Jake Marisnik. Good pick. Okay. I want to be very candid that my next pick, at least 50% of the desire to pick this player is just the name. So there's like that. Some of this is just the name. I'm, <laughs> I'm owning it. But this is, uh, I'm taking Hobie Harris. Oh, yeah. He's on my list. Hobie Harris, who uh, signed a minor league deal with the Nationals, famously a bad team that might Mm -hmm. end up calling him up. He's bounced around a a bit. He has, you know, he's one of these guys who managed to make within the space of 12 months a Blue Jays prospect list and then a Brewers prospect list because of the, the changes. He is another one of these like 70 fastball 30, 35 command guys. (laughs) So he's just like a a 35 plus, you know, he had a 204 ERA in in AAA last year. You might say, that's great. And then you look at his FIP and it's worse. And you're like, well, you know, he walked (laughs) 4.75 batters per nine. And that's, you know, that's not a great number when you're, when you're really looking at it. But um, again, was signed to a team that is going to be pretty bad next year and uh, has, you know, at least a good fastball. Uh, so Hobie Harris, Hobie. There should be more Hobies. Why, why is Hobie fallen out of fashion as a name? It is such a that's such a nice name to say, Hobie. Hobie yeah. Harris. Really good. Yeah, good minor league numbers last yeah. year. My eye was caught. All right. Well, I guess while we're doing a a run on mediocre fourth outfield types, I will. Also take someone who is uh, probably a less good version of Victor Reyes, and that is Oscar Mercado. Mm, So Oscar Mercado, he is now back with the Cardinals after having been with Cleveland. The Cardinals originally drafted him in 2013 in the second round. So I guess they still like what they see. And he's uh, been in the big leagues with Cleveland each year going back to 2019. And 2019 was was a promising rookie season. He was almost a a full-time player all season. And he got rookie of the year votes and was like a league average hitter. And it's basically been downhill from there, both in terms of playing time and performance. So not super optimistic about him, but he's back with the team that drafted him. He is uh, young. He just turned 28 this month and has been good enough that it seems like he could continue to get chances. And I don't know, I I guess the the Cardinals outfield could kind of go either way. I don't know exactly how far down the depth chart he is at this point, but it's not inconceivable that he could be called up and get some playing time at some point this season. So, yeah, Oscar Mercado. Yep. Yeah, I like that one. I have no clue how likely Oscar Mercado is to play for the Cardinals, but they liked him a lot. So yeah. I always like those ones where you pick the guy right. going back to the team that likes him. Mm-hmm. I am going to take another, I hope, high likelihood bet and take James Norwood, mm, Yeah, who signed a minor league deal with the Yankees. James Norwood is a like stuff first, I'd say, uh, yes. reliever. He's got very good stuff. And if you followed baseball via 
like watching videos that driveline posted of players i don't actually know if they have any of james norwood but he's that kind of guy like he's got in my opinion pretty electric stuff and sometimes knows where it's going you know not not frequently so it really is a driveline video is what you're saying (laughs) it's really there's really a lot a lot of similarities there um he he pitched for the phillies this year and lost a spot in the phillies bullpen but that's actually not so bad they were they were totally reasonable in 2022, as much you know flack as they get generally. And he lost his spot because he had an eight ERA, and you know that's bad. But he had a three six three FIP, three seventy five x FIP. He struck out, I think, twenty six percent of batters he faced. He looked totally reasonable. He just you know walked a billion guys and gave up a four twenty BABIP, and so he bounced around a little bit. I don't think that he's necessarily going to be like the best reliever in the Yankees bullpen, but this seems like the kind of guy they can they can work with. And it also seems like the kind of guy who, even if he never improves, like even a little bit, can get major league batters out. And so we'll probably just soak up some them not wanting to give their good relievers back-to-backs type deals once or twice. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah, he was... Uh... The peripherals were better than the ERA, as I recall, and also just yeah. good stuff. And and the Yankees have a good track record with uh, making useful bullpen arms. So good pick. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take a, a a chancy a chancy one. I'm doing a chancy one. Okay. In part because it's not totally clear to me if he's actually resigned. Wait, I want to look. Wait, wait. <laughs> You got to redo a whole draft pick, so I get to look at this. You know, I know that people don't care about this the way we do, but I'm just saying, like, the transaction data could be better. Not, like, at Fangraphs, although there are guys who slip through the cracks at Fangraphs, but just, like, in general, the way that it gets... Like, why why is it that we are not more invested in, like, updating the Wikipedia's, Wixipedia of these of these guys you know like be the change you want to see you no, can edit those got, yourself you know no i it's have their other community st- edited famously i know but <laughs> i like have other stuff i need to do okay you know i got there's I'm, a different website that you edit yes yeah I, I, right i already have a website okay i'm doing my part i'm doing my job okay i'm gonna take this guy anyway i don't know what the deal is everyone seems some people some people seem to think that brent honeywell has re-signed a minor league contract with the ace and that does not appear to be on the A's website. But some people seem to think that is true. I will say the following. I feel bad for Brent Honeywell. Brent Honeywell is supposed to have a very different career than the one he has had. And he didn't because of injuries. And we're all, we all feel badly about that. But I think that he is the kind of guy where he'll probably catch on somewhere. Because people are going to be like, what if, what if we can rediscover like a little, you know, like a little spark? What if there's a little spark? I also think that having seen him pitch in Lido, I'm like, it's been okay. It hasn't been amazing, but it's it's been all it's been all right, you know? And so it could be he could pitch he could pitch no innings anywhere, you know. He might go to he might go to Asia. He could do all sorts of things. But right now he's gonna join my minor league free agent team. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. Well, I'm gonna go with a catcher who is actually eligible for this draft, I believe. And that is Jackson Reitz. Ooh, yeah, he was on my list. 
So Jackson Reitz, that's spelled J-A-K-S-O-N, which I can't condone, but I'm still going to draft him. Yeah. So he is a a 27-year-old catcher, and I think he is uh, one of the the best hitters. Or He's not even 27. He turns 27 in a few days. But he had one of the best offensive seasons of any minor league free agent. And I think if you set aside... Players who have been signed internationally already and the Carlos Perez, whom I didn't attempt to draft, then I think he had the most home runs of anyone on the board and one of the highest OPSs unadjusted. But he briefly got some big league time, just got into two games with the Nationals in 2021, and then they let him go, and then he was with the Brewers. And I I think he was supposed to be more of a glove-first catcher, but he just exploded offensively this past season. And I do not know exactly how or why, but he hit 30 bombs in 2022, mostly uh, in AAA with Milwaukee and and also with the the Royals and in AA with Milwaukee too. So he had a 934 OPS across those levels and and organizations, and the Royals have signed him to a a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training, and they don't really have a set backup catcher at this point, someone backing up Salvi, because uh, MJ Melendez kind of occasionally catches, but also plays other positions, and then I think the only other catcher on the 40-man is Freddie Fermin, who doesn't seem like he would be that tough to to back up. So it seems like he's kind of like the second or third string guy right now, which could change before the season starts. But a fairly young catcher who, as far as I know, has a pretty decent glove and also just had a 141 WRC plus in the minors mm. this past season. That's a, that's a pretty solid pick, if I do say so myself. Mm. Yeah. Confident. Yeah. yeah, not on my list because I did not know who that was. So. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> uh, good, that does not feel good for me. Good for you. <laughs> Ugh, didn't get that far down. Oh, oh no. I am going to take, why not? I'll take Kristen Stewart. Hmm. I've been wondering what's going on with Kristen Stewart because he's pretty good. You know, like he's not a great player and he hasn't played in the majors since 2020, but he played for the Boston AAA franchise this year. And had a 364 on base percentage, slugged 450. It's a 119 WRC plus. That's like just completely reasonable. Previous year, he had 340 plate appearances for the Tigers AAA team and had a 127 WRC plus. He's, you know, he's a power first kind of guy, but he's played some of the major leagues, like some other guys we talked about. He has negative two war as a major leaguer. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not picking all stars or anything, but. I feel like he might catch on somewhere and he has the power first skill that feels like if he starts off a little bit hot, then he might get 300 plate appearances. I don't think it's likely, but I don't know. Like, I can't all be Jackson Reitz's, so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, you know, some people spell Jackson with a C for, for one thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm trying to decide if I want to go off board, you mm. know? And in a high stakes way, because I hadn't previously included this person on my list as like a, a, a pref guy. And 
I am discovering that he had elbow issues this year. And so it's like, how bad are those? I don't know. But not so bad to prevent the Kansas City Royals from reportedly signing him to a minor league contract. And so I'm taking my second name pick, and then I'll be done with name picks. Are you ready? Yes. Cody Poteet. Like, what a name. (laughs) That's a name. What a name that is. He played for the Marlins. You know, he's had some big league run. He was not very good, but he was, he was, you know, he was a big leaguer for a little while. Mm-hmm. He might have a busted elbow, but he is going to play for the Kansas City Royals, so I don't know how much that's going to matter. Yeah. So I'm taking Cody Poteet. Did he, you know, have a FIP in the high force? I mean, he did, but his ERA was lower than that. Is his fastball a 45? I mean, sure. Yeah. The slider and changeup are a little bit better. Command is fine. So I don't know. We're just going to see where... Cody Poteet takes us, mostly because I really enjoy saying Poteet. Poteet. <laughs> is it concerning that the Marlins couldn't make him better and one of the things they're good at is pitch design? I mean, like, one could raise these concerns, but also his name is Cody Poteet. <laughs> yep. I, I think that my, that like, I think my loose approach to this is I'm at least having a lot more fun. I'm less stressed than I yeah. usually am. So it's something, you know? Good. Good. Yeah. Well, we're here to have fun. Yeah, and we're also here to, to have fun. Really have a high stakes competition that yeah. will come back to haunt us. <laughs> yeah. Great. I'm going to take Travis Blankenhorn. Yeah. So Travis Blankenhorn, not a bad name there either. Terrific name. He was with the Mets this past season and he's been with really a, a bunch of organizations. Over the past few seasons, he was with the Twins, he was with the Dodgers, he was with the Mariners, but most recently with the Mets. And he's uh, only 26 years old, and he's hit fairly well. You know, he's been an above-average bat by AAA standards, and he has a lot of positional flexibility. He doesn't play the premium defensive positions. He hasn't played center. He hasn't played short except for a couple games. But he plays everywhere else. So he plays a lot of second and third. And he can play outfield corners if you need him to. He can play some first. Whatever you want, Travis Blankenhorn will do it. He will answer the call. And he was signed to a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training by the Nationals. So that bodes well. Because when I look at the Nationals depth chart at the positions that Travis Blankenhorn plays, I am not impressed. (laughs) And looking at the roster resource depth chart for the Nationals, he's uh, one of the highest names on, I guess, Jason Hesemann on the outfield listing Mm -hmm. in the minors there. So it seems like he has a decent chance to catch on as a utility guy, given his competition and, and his recent minor league performance and his youth. And he hits the ball hard and he cut down on his strikeout rate a bit this past season. So... There you have him, Travis Blankenhorn. Blankenhorn. Sounds like a, a Looney Tunes character, you know? <laughs> yes. But I might be combining Foghorn Leghorn with other stuff. <laughs> ben, you're up. All right. I will take another very similar player, I feel like, Stephen Piscotti. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been doing a lot of picking these outfielders who seem to be acceptable. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Stephen Piscotti is a completely defensible major leaguer for many years 2022 Mm -hmm. was not one of those years (laughs) um he was in fact quite bad last year but i just still kind of think he can do enough to bounce around and you don't really need to be that great to get some chance 
in the majors. I feel like as a as a guy who's formerly been good in the majors. And right. Piscotti, in fact, hit just fine in the minors in 2022. He just, you know, he didn't play very much for the A's and was bad. And he's actually been bad in 2021, too. But eh, I think he, he's got a decent chance to sign with a bad team, have a pretty good April, and then just be there the whole time as a result. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was considering taking him in for much the same reason. Still unsigned, but, but he'll land somewhere if he wants to. Yeah, yeah. It seems likely that he will be a guy who does a thing, you know? <laughs> Somewhere. Yep. Will it be playing baseball? I mean, we're going to find out, I guess. Okay. Let's see. I think that I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick a guy who's once again a Washington National. I'm going to go to the outfield here. <sighs> I don't feel good about this pick. You know, like I feel like the Nationals of it all. It's really mm-hmm. maybe doing a lot of work here. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. I'm changing my mind. I'm doing it. I didn't say the name, so there's no pick yep, on the board. No, no, no pick. Yep, pick an audible. <laughs> I'm less erratic in my normal day-to-day life than I am on these drafts. I feel like I'm creating a portrait of myself that's largely out of sync. I'm going to take Daniel Zamora, hmm. who is a left-handed pitcher who signed a minor league contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, Ben Lindbergh, we're going to duel we're gonna, Ooh, yeah. we're gonna duel Perdomo versus yeah. Zamora. Mm-hmm. We're gonna duel. I think that Perdomo was the better pick, as evidenced by him being higher on my draft board that you guys can't see. And <laughs> you know, like I will say that Zamora's numbers in the minors last year, like they were, they were okay. They weren't, they weren't terrible. He had a three eight six ERA. He had a four two zero FIP, which you know that's not as good. And his last big league action in 2021, which was for the Seattle Mariners, didn't go great, but it was 4.1 innings. Like, what do you, you know, that's not, that's not anything. He strikes some guys out. He, uh, you know, he's going to be a pirate. So we're going to, we're going to duke it out. And so I, I'm taking Daniel Zamora. Also a good name, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like lefties just, they get, they get chances if they are reasonable. I mean, if you're the pirates, maybe you're like, maybe some, there's some cool Dodgersness in there. It's like a, it's basically like the the Tyler Anderson signing. I can't think of any ways in which it's different. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to stick with the theme of picking players on subpar teams who we hope will get some playing time. And I'm going to take Pablo Reyes. Yeah. So Pablo Reyes, he has been in the big leagues for the past few years with the Brewers. He uh, originally was in the pirate system, came up with the pirates, and has been with the Brewers for the past couple of years. And he has not hit in his big league time. He's got a total of 323 plate appearances and about a 80 OPS plus, which is not great, but he has continued to hit fairly well in the minors. So he had a 110 WRC plus in AAA for Milwaukee this past season. And Steamer thinks he is roughly an average major league hitter, which seems somewhat optimistic, but it does project him for a 97 WRC plus. And he has lots of positional flexibility, so he can play just about anywhere on the field and has done that. And he was signed by the ace. So that's good. He's got an invitation to spring training with the Oakland A's and they obviously don't have a lot of good players and if anyone is good they will trade him (laughs) and hopefully that will open up a spot for Pablo Reyes at some point in the coming season yeah that's the kind of pick that I like making which is Mm -hmm. a guy who's played in the major leagues 
Yep. And I very much considered picking him for essentially all the reasons that you laid out. Well, I'm like glad you work. didn't. Thank you. Instead, I will take Pablo Reyes at home, I think. <laughs> um, Derek Hill, who there's some <laughs> chance Meg was going to be picking. Yeah. Derek Hill is an outfielder who is on a minor league deal with the Nationals. Yep. And the Nationals just don't really have much going on in terms of, uh, like, they their farm system is much improved after last year. Yes. But that's all in top-end names. They they did not exactly suddenly become a deep minor league system. And look, they gave like 400 plate appearances to Michael Franco last year. The, the team just doesn't quite have enough going on at the major league level. And if you look at their projected outfield right now, it's Lane Thomas, Victor Robles, Alex Call, who like may or may not be good. He, he could be. But there's, there's just not a lot holding good players back from passing these people. Jake Alou is their projected DH. He's kind of like a utility infielder, seems like to me, more so than a DH. He's not really a power guy. Derek Hill isn't either, but Derek Hill's a great defender. And I don't know, like if he's going to luck his way into 300 plate appearances, it's going to be on the Nationals. So I like the mix of team and player. And yeah, he's been a major leaguer before too. Something I always like. Yep. Yeah, I almost, that was, I almost... You know, I almost, but I didn't. Yeah. But I almost. <laughs> that was where I was going, but then I didn't. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> Pablo Reyes is going to be competing for playing time with Tyler Wade. You know. Oh. Yeah, be conflicted. Oh. oh but wait, boy. Taylor Ward's really good. Are you in trouble there? <laughs> 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 ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right, Meg, you're up. I am up, aren't I? <sighs> well, here's what I am thinking. I'm gonna do. <laughs> I love the way you you stall in buy time for yeah. every pick by just you know, like wanna, adding like, some some additional clauses. Yeah, it's a little, it's like a little bit of seasoning, you know. It's like <laughs> I like to put some some little. I like to put some zhuzh on it. Because what I'm going to do with right. the pick that the I am about to make about when I select a player. <laughs> the um, what's the Yankees PA guy's name who said, always had the number twice? Bob, number Bob two. Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take Garrett Williams. I'm taking hmm. Garrett Williams, who has recently been a Cardinal. He has not been like a ranked prospect since 2018, which is always a good sign. You know, that t- tends to suggest things are are going well, particularly when you haven't debuted yet. <laughs> so, you know, we'll we'll be honest about that reality. His numbers at Double A last year, they were they were fine. They weren't great. They were fine. Struck out a bunch of guys. Also walked some dudes. Uh, he got promoted to Triple A, and they they got less good. But here's the thing about. Garrett Williams. Here's what he's got going for him. He's left-handed, and he's signed to a minor league deal with the Oakland Athletics. And so he's now Team Meg. He's on the Meg team, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I wish him well, but not too well. Okay. Well, for my next pick, I think this is my my eighth pick. I think that is correct. Lost track. No, you're right. I'm going to take the Jake Marisnik of the infield, Mm. and that is Jonathan Villar. Ah! Yeah, he's yeah. on my list at some point, too. So Jonathan VR, he is uh, basically the same age as Jake Mersnick. He was uh, born a month later, and he debuted, I think, a day after Jake Mersnick in the major leagues in 2013. And like Jake Mersnick, he has been in the big leagues every season since. And he has gotten a, a fair amount of 
playing time. So I like the the trajectory. I mean, it's not a good trajectory, but like 2019, he played in all 162 games for the Orioles. 2020, he played in 52 of the 60 games. 2021, he played in 142 games. He got 505 plate appearances. So he went from like 714 plate appearances in 2019 to 505 in 2021 to 220 in 2022. So even if his playing time gets halved again or more, then maybe I'll still end up with 100 plate appearances or something, and I'd be happy with that at this point in the draft. But Jonathan VR, he was with three organizations last mm-hmm. season. He was in the big leagues with the Cubs and the Angels, and then also the Mariners signed him, but he didn't get big league time with them, and he did not hit at all in 2022. Mm-hmm. But He was a league average hitter as recently as 2021 in like a full season of playing time. So he's not so far removed from that. And obviously he's got positional flexibility. I believe he is still unsigned, but, you know, he can play second. He can play third. He even got stuck at short for a couple games. So he can kind of fake it there if he needs to this past season. Even he was playing there. So Jonathan VR. I'm going to just bet on the track record and bet that this is not the year when his streak of major league playing time gets broken. He really is the Jake Marisnik of the infield. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. That was a good pick. Thank you. I am going to pick Thomas Pannoni. Hmm. Pannone. I don't know. He's a very Christmassy sounding name. I, I had some Panettone when I was at my mom's house. How and... do you feel about Panettone, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it was a homemade one. It was very good, oh. actually. By... Okay. By her neighbors. That was very good. The the type that you get just from department stores, maybe less good. Yeah. It makes me a bad Italian, but it's just not my it's not my my bag. It's not my yeah. thing. I think you know? almost any kind of Italian dessert is very good when it's homemade. Yeah. But the the store versions, yeah. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, they can be they can be rough. Although they make good French toast if you get the store bought version, so Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, also, maybe makes good French toast. Uh, is Thomas Pannoni? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, to- Thomas. I don't know if he, is he on the BA list. Uh, no, he is not. Ooh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I guess we can keep that for that extended aside. Yeah, that, we gotta uh, keep it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. some, but I'm not picking some, him. Yeah, some no. people are sitting at home with like store bought Pannoni, and they're like, "What do we do with this?" Like, why was I insulted in this? And then, like in passing for a player not even in the draft. And then and then the answer is you make French toast out of it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll keep wow. that in the podcast, but strike it from the record yeah. in the, the draft. So I feel good about this. I'm not the only one now who has drafted an ineligible player. Well, well he did sign a minor league deal in, in my defense. And I think that uh-huh. is where I got goofed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the other confusing thing about this that I should have mentioned, that players can sign minor league contracts right. without having been minor league free agents. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I will take Caleb Baragar. Mm-hmm. He is a reliever who signed a minor league deal with the Guardians. He was somewhat recently serviceable. Uh, he pitched 2020 and 2021 <laughs> with the Giants and was good both those years, honestly. like He had a four ERA one year and a one five seven ERA the other. And then he went to the Diamondbacks, didn't make the majors, and had an eight FIP in the minors. Cool. So, you know, like, it's not what you'd love to see, but I like Cleveland's ability to work with guys. I think that he would be a lot better if he threw two miles an hour harder, and like Cleveland does that sometimes. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, could work out. He's left-handed. He's left-handed. That's yeah. Good. 
It's always a plus. We're getting thin on my list here, guys. Yeah, we're. <laughs> yep. I think I think we are getting thin. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the requisite. You gotta have a catcher. Gotta have a catcher in one of these here drafts. And so I'm gonna take Jacob Nottingham. Who is uh-huh. not currently signed, but has been a big leaguer. A good one? Yep. I mean, no. If he were a good one, he wouldn't be part of this draft. But he has been a big leaguer. He has one of the more delightful... He he was a, a brewer and then a mariner and then a brewer and then a mariner. And he got passed around a bunch of times and I think finally was like, enough. And then he was most recently, I think, with the Orioles. But they're famously kind of set at catcher. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. They have Hadley Richmond. So anyway, that's uh, Jacob Nottingham. Yep, he was on my list somewhere. Hmm, all right. I don't know which way to go now. I could go any number of directions. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm into this amorphous, shapeless tier of my draft board where blo- everyone is, uh, yeah, kind of equally appealing or, or unappealing. Hmm. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess I'll go with Jose De Leon. Mm. So Jose De Leon, he has had big league time. He did not this past season, but he did for uh, previous seasons. He was with the Reds for a, a while in 2021, which did not go well. But he is a, a former prospect, emphasis on the former, but but a real prospect, like he was a top 20, top 30 type guy, according to various outlets several years ago. But still, he's got a little of that luster left, perhaps. And he uh, really just like did not pitch much or pitch well (laughs) this past year. So that's uh, why I'm, I'm not super high on him and why I'm not super excited about this pick. However, he was signed by the Twins, and uh, got an invitation to spring training, and seems like there could be an opportunity potentially for for some playing time there. But he's uh, just kind of he's he bounced around a bit. He was with the Blue Jays, he was with the Reds, he was with the Red Sox, he was with the Rays, he was with the Dodgers. He is very much in the the journeyman phase. He's uh, thirty years old now, but he's been a starter mostly. And so that always gives me some encouragement because, uh, well, A, if you actually make it, you could get more batters faced. And B, there's another move you could make, right? You could always go to the bullpen and who knows, maybe your stuff will play up. So he's been playing. He played in the, the Puerto Rican Winter League and had quite impressive numbers there, at least uh, ERA wise. So I'll I'll hope that that portends better things for him and, and that he catches on with the twins. So Jose De Leon. Woo! I guess I'll, uh, I'll stick with a theme. I, too, will pick De Leon. I'm going to draft <laughs> Daniel Ponce de Leon. All right. Who is, as of yet, unsigned and did not pitch in the majors in 2022 and was bad for the Cardinals in 2021. So I've really... Uh, really explain to you the the downsides but the upsides are that he signed a minor league deal with i believe the tigers at the end of last year he made three starts and he had a 169 era and good peripherals and struck some guys out didn't walk too many and come on someone you can sign him he's nice he has a heartwarming (laughs) story he recovered from being hit in the head with a line drive to make it to the majors seems like a good thing that could sell some tickets 
I don't know. Good um, name. A good name. Great name. Great name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrific name. You know? Yeah. So uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Here I am pumping up your, your pick. All right. Well, we'll see who got the better de Leon. De Leon. Oh, this is my this is my final go, eh? Yeah. Is it? Are we up to the last picks already? I think it's... Oh, I picked yeah. fir- first. This is my last pick. Wow. Okay. Per, per the pivot table in my spreadsheet... This Ooh, is nice. my last. That's how I've been able to identify the picks that weren't actually on the BA list because I searched for them to like say, oh, Ben L or Ben C. And then mm. they weren't there. And that's when <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, I don't think they're minor league free agents. <laughs> well, I done. actually am not stalling. I have a pick in hand. Um, I'm taking Trenton Brooks. Trenton Brooks. <laughs> and look, this is mostly about the Oakland Athletics again, you know? This is the A's doing some heavy lifting. He is he is 27. He is that rarest and most coveted of defensive profiles, the first base left fielder, you know? <laughs> but he he had a 121 WRC plus in AAA for Cleveland last year, you know, in 340 plate appearances. He's yet to debut, you know? So this, who knows, could be a flyer. Probably a flyer, aren't they all? But yep. you know, he hit he hit two seventy three, three sixty seven, four sixty four. He had he had eleven home runs. He did some stuff for Cleveland. So I'm taking him, Trenton Brooks. You know, he is <laughs> an athletic. You know. <laughs> all right. Well, for my final pick, I will take one Joe Rizzo. Ah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe Rizzo. He's young. He's uh, been in the Mariners system for a while, and he's hit fairly well there. He has not been in the big leagues as of yet, but he had a, a 105 WRC plus in double A, I guess it was, for the Mariners this past year. And he can play a bunch of positions, and he's on the Marlins now. So mm. I'm going with uh, if you're on the Marlins, seems like that a good seems sign. good. Yeah, and uh, I guess... Jason has him at, at third base on the Marlins depth chart, and he is the top guy there who is not Gene Segura. So I guess this would have been a better pick before the Marlins signed Gene Segura, but <laughs> I'm still going to go for it because uh, they might still move an infielder, it seems like, potentially. And then Joe Rizzo will be waiting in the wings, and he's a former prospect, sort of, and is still young enough. He will not turn 25 until the end of March, right before opening day. So. I'm hoping that he will get a chance as a left-handed hitter, and he's got some on-base ability. So let's hope he gets to deploy those skills for the Miami Marlins or someone, anyone, in 2023. Yeah. All right. Well, I have the last pick of the draft then, and I'm just going to go, I think, very off the board. I doubt anyone had this person. I actually have other names left, but I'm going to take Zach Muckenhern. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What a name. That's not a real person. Muckenhern. Muckenhern. He signed a a minor league deal with the Mets. Mm. He is a left-handed reliever. And honestly, he's been pretty good in the minors over the past two years for the White Sox. Not, you know, exceptional, but he strikes out a lot of batters. He has some control issues, as you might expect. He's a reliever who hasn't made the majors. But he is left-handed. And the Mets are just terrible at left-handed relief they trade for someone every year yeah and those people almost never really work out yeah and if they do then they leave right away so right now the Mets lefties in the bullpen are Brooks Raley who just gives me the vibe of like he just might fall apart 
he's 35 and you never know. And then they also have David Peterson, who I think will be called on to start a lot. And Buck likes his lefties. He seems to love having a lefty specialist in the bullpen. And they don't really past Rayleigh. And I think Muck and Hearn might get some playing. It's a great name. Um, <laughs> might get some playing time as a result of that. He's only 27. So, you know, there's there's space for him to develop better. Uh, he'll probably not pitch at all in the major leagues. But he might. He might. <laughs> all right. Well, I feel pretty good about the first eight picks or so that I made. And, and then I think things fell apart for me. But mm. I like the way it started. I feel about as confident as I ever do after one of these things, which is not very but for what it's worth, I feel much less confident than last year. Much less. Okay. Well, that makes me more confident in turn. I had a, a bunch of guys on my list I considered. I'll just I'll read off some names. Michael Feliz, yeah. RJ Alanis, Hernan Perez, Tyler White, who I, I took in a previous minor league free agent draft. There are players who get drafted multiple times and Evan, in his spreadsheet, he has an account. I think there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who have been drafted at least twice. And Rafael Ortega was drafted three times. So he's he's the leader. <laughs> That's but, great. Yeah, sometimes we, we jump the gun and we draft someone who goes on to be a big leaguer and productive, but not in the year that yeah. we need him to be. <laughs> Done that a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I almost took Tyler, uh, Taylor, <laughs> not oh, Tyler, no. Taylor Motter. Oh. And yeah, yeah. He's, he's on the Cardinals. That uh, seemed promising. Who else did I have? Uh, Jacob Webb. Lewis Head, DJ Stewart, formerly of, of the mm-hmm. Orioles, Jose Peraza, who's been on, on a few teams, uh, Alec Mills, who was with the Cubs, but he had back surgery, and then Chucky Robinson, mm-hmm. catcher we talked about on our, our last episode, Meg. I almost took him, too. Yeah. Brian Shaw is a minor league free agent. Yes. Which, that surprised me, because uh, he's been a mainstay. He's been a staple of the Terry Francona bullpens to many Guardians fans' <laughs> dismay, but he's been cast loose. He's a free agent as of now. Who else? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, did you experience any Brian Shaw in 2022? Because that makes <laughs> yeah. more sense if you had. Yeah. No, Sorry, Brian. Was, but Hansel Robles, uh, Tony Walters, Jair Camargo mm. or Jair, he's he's a promising young catcher. Uh, Sam Clay, your second round pick last year, I believe, Meg. Yeah, I, I didn't. Or two I years could, ago, maybe. I couldn't yeah. do it again, you know? Yeah. I've lived yeah. the Sam Clay life. I don't know how well it served me. Yeah. Nate Fisher, the, the banker we talked about oh, on yeah. the last episode for the Mets, he's around. Gosh, who else? Uh, just some other names like, you know, Tyler Duffy and Shane Green and Chris Owings and Chasen Shreve. Yeah, Chasen. And, and Billy McKinney and mm-hmm. Sam Selman and Mark Appel and Zach Collins, I considered taking Zach Collins. Uh, yeah. Zach Littell, reliever and cruise ship enthusiast. Uh, <laughs> some other catchers, Austin Allen. Johnny Pareda, who you drafted last year, I believe, Meg, and he's uh, invited to spring training with the Reds. Yoshi Sutsugo is around still. Yeah. I kind of wish I had taken, instead of DeLeon, I had taken Connor Sadzek. Oh, yeah. Not Sadzak, but Sadzek. He's uh, a 6'7 guy, so he would have paired well with my other giant pitchers. And who else? I guess uh, Patrick Murphy also with the Twins. Bubby Rossman, who was a meta major leaguer this past season. Bubby! Ryder Ryan, who's with the Mariners now. Also, Julio Rodriguez, 
was right. on the board. The yeah. other, the other Julio, <laughs> Julio E. Rodriguez, a yeah. uh, catcher who's with the Tigers now, and, and Jordan Holloway. I think that's everyone who I had on my board. So, if any of those guys do well, I can at least say I considered them. Yeah, yeah. I feel so calm. You know, I feel relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've done it. The die is cast, and yep. now we just see where the chips fall. So. I've uh, enjoyed this exercise, as always, so thanks to you two for for joining, and we will uh, put various links to sources on the show page so you can see who else was available and and which players we drafted, and this will all be tracked on the Effectively Wild wiki and the competitions and draft spreadsheet. We will link to that too, and I should also mention that there is a control group, so Thomas Burton who has uh, originated this practice of of randomly selected players. He has uh, done it again for us. So officially, the 10-player control group for this year, Cody Reed, Matt Eckelman, Jesus Linares, Jace Vines, Jonathan Lopez, Luis Avile, Weston Wilson, Kevin Padlow, Phillips Valdez, and Jorge Bonifacio. So those are the, the 10 to beat. For us, hopefully we can clear (laughs) that bar, at least in 2023, but we will see, and we will provide updates as we uh, learn more and as people get playing time or do not. So thanks as always. Uh, Here's to another decade of, of minor league free agent drafts. Yay! All right, I will conclude with the Past Blast. So this is episode 1948. The Past Blast comes from 1948 and from Jacob Pumranke, Sabres Director of Editorial Content and Chair of the Black Sox Scandal Research Committee. Jacob calls this one three little steam shovels. In the mid-1940s, the Boston Braves were one of baseball's most creative teams off the field. New owners Lou Perini, Guido Rugo, and C.J. Maney, lovingly known as the Three Little Steam Shovels, overhauled the fan experience at Braves Field by installing lights for night games, moving the fences in, adding skyboxes, building a big scoreboard, and updating the concessions menu. Before the 1948 season, the Braves started feeling out their next great idea to bring in fans from all over New England. Here's a report from the Sporting News on March 10, 1948. Quote, Boston's Braves, who gave baseball fried clams and neon foul poles, have an even more striking innovation in mind. It still is just a gleam in the eyes of President Lou Perini, a pictured blueprint in the mind of general manager John Quinn. But if the latest idea of the three little steam shovels is realized, they're going to have a railroad station at their ballpark. The Braves probably would become the only baseball team in the world to include a railroad station in its operating equipment. The proposed station would be situated a bit to the left of the left field fence, where the Boston and Albany tracks go by the park. The railroad already has revealed that it has some interest in Braves President Lou Perini. He owns coal mines and has sold coal to the railroad. He also has prevailed on the Boston and Albany to refrain from its ancient custom of firing engines just outside the left field fence, a custom that sprayed customers with soot during the Emil Fuchs and Bob Quinn eras. Unfortunately, the train station plan never worked out for the Braves, Jacob concludes, who reached a peak in 1948 by winning their first National League pennant in 34 years and drawing a record 1.4 million fans. But it all quickly went downhill. Four years later in 1952, the Braves drew a little over 4,000 fans for opening day and just 281,000 fans for the entire season. Lou Perini decided to move the team to Milwaukee at the end of the season. And that was a wise decision, at least from an attendance and revenue standpoint, because the Braves went from being the worst drawing team in 1952 
to the best drawing team in 1953. The Milwaukee Braves drew more than 1.8 million people with an attendance per game of 23,119 compared to just 3,600 the year before. So it was an attendance bonanza, a ticket-buying boom. And of course, we've gotten trains in or nearby other ballparks since. So maybe the idea was just ahead of its time. Also, I got curious about that passing mention of neon foul poles. So I looked that up and quoting from another Sabre page here. This is about the 1946 Braves. Of the 77 home games on the 1946 Braves schedule, nearly one-third, 24, were scheduled as night contests. The first was slated for Saturday, May 11th, 1946, against the New York Giants, and there was tremendous build-up to the event. A special ticket booth was set up at Braves Field and opened for extended hours starting in early May, specifically for the sale of night and Sunday doubleheader tickets, and new satin uniforms, then referred to as sateen, were designed for Braves players to wear in night games. The uniforms, the Boston Globe reported, would have dazzling luster to make, quote, a lot of hairy-chested athletes look like so many sparkling diamonds. The goal was to give fans in the stands a clear view of the home club, and neon foul poles and gold-painted box seats were added for the same purpose. So I guess that added some razzle-dazzle, but probably also the lighting wasn't that great. So if you had shiny uniforms and neon foul poles and gold-painted box seats... Maybe that helped tell where everyone was and where the ball went. We don't have such lighting issues today, and we have replay and high definition, but I wouldn't mind bringing back neon foul poles. Could be a cool look. You can support Effectively Wild on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. Following five listeners have already signed up and pledged some monthly or yearly amount to help keep the podcast going, help us stay ad-free, and get themselves access to some perks. Arn Boseman, Seamus, Tiffany, Kate Kraske, and Josh Shanes. Thanks to all of you. Patreon perks include access to the Effectively Wild Discord group for patrons, as well as access to monthly bonus episodes, playoff live streams, and more. You can get discounts on merch and ad-free Fangraphs memberships. Check it out, patreon.com slash effectivelywild. You can contact me and Meg via email at podcast.fangraphs.com or via the Patreon messaging system if you are a supporter. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectivelywild, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms. You can follow Effectively Wild on Twitter at EWPod, and you can find the Effectively Wild subreddit at r slash effectivelywild. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for his editing and production assistance. We will be back with one more episode before the end of the week and the year. We will take a spin through the American League teams this time and talk about stories that we missed in 2022. Talk to you soon. 